Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Talkin' TV. On this week's episode, we will be talking Seinfeld Season 3. Season 3 of Seinfeld. Very interesting season of TV here. A lot of Seinfeld fans online seem to claim that this is the first season of what you would call the golden age of Seinfeld. I think I've got to disagree with these people here. I understand where they're getting at in that this is the season where Larry and Jerry really find their stride and can tell what's really working. And there is an inflection point where they really start to turn the corner, you can see. The actual prime seasons of Seinfeld, arguably four and five through seven, are just better than this season. And it's, it's I mean, clearly better. Again, I think the counter-argument that you get from a sect of the fan base is that season three really focuses on the minutia of things. They found that that is what they're really good at. I want to finish that the counter-argument is that the later seasons lose that. And I will contend the only seasons that really lose that is after Larry leaves and Jerry really stopped writing and focused on just producing and acting in the show. Because... Four through seven still have that minutia and and arguing over the stupid things in life, but seasons four through seven just have more in them. They're just denser episodes of TV. For example, season three, you'll have, in an episode, you'll have maybe two, maybe three plots going on. So George and Jerry, something will happen to George, George and Jerry will discuss it, and It's not like these discussions disappear in later seasons. They're still there, but there's also other things going on in the episode. You have a Kramer plot. You have an Elaine plot, whereas season three is really focused on you have one plot, and George and Jerry discuss it, and then maybe Kramer will come in, and Kramer will will put his own little spin on what Jerry's response to George originally was, and then the buzzer will ring, and Elaine will come up and do the exact same thing Kramer did, but with her little Elaine spin on it. Whereas in season five... You'll still get all of that. Everyone will even still give their own little spin. Kramer or Elaine will still get to put their input on this argument George and Jerry have. But they also have their own. They'll give their argument and then immediately go into something that's in their plot and bring it up. There's just more. There's just more going on in four through seven. So I definitely understand why some people would put it there. But there's just not the consistency that a golden age of Seinfeld season has speaking on the consistency of the season let's run through some of the episodes here so you have a pretty strong start with the note a really george carried episode with him getting massage from the male massage therapist and then you have an immediate down with the truth nothing really standing out to me in that that episode however coming right back with the pen another solid probably the note-esque level of episode pretty really strong one plot not all the characters really involved though and then honestly i think you have what might be the worst episode in the whole series uh, with the dog the only redeeming factor in this episode being that you have the beginning of this evolution of kramer in this season which i will speak on after this and this is where that evolution really begins with kramer finding his angry side and then after that which again i think might be the worst episode 
and the whole series. You come back with a really good episode, pretty memorable with the library. You have Bookman, great character. And then you have a pretty solid run from here for a couple episodes with Parking Garage, Cafe, The Tape, and The Nose Job. All pretty strong episodes and a theme of one or two really strong plots in those episodes. And then you have a little bit of a down with The Stranded. It's not a bad episode, but it's an average episode of Seinfeld. And then I think you have one of the peaks in the season with the alternate side. Then I think you hit one of the peaks in the season with the alternate side. Probably the second best episode, I believe, in this season. Boy, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Followed by a pretty good episode with the red dot. Again, another George carried episode with George having sexual relations with the cleaning woman. Uh, I think a overrated episode by the fandom and the subway following this. And then an episode that I that feels like a later episode of Seinfeld comes with the Pez Dispenser. Really, really good episode here. A strong episode for almost all the characters and a big crossover. Then you have The Suicide, which is an average episode of Seinfeld. And then I think the best episode in the season, The Fix-Up. A classic here, every single character involved, and a huge crossover in this one with every single character. One of the best Seinfeld episodes in general. And then you go on a pretty good run to end the season with the Keith Hernandez episode. Uh, you get some good Newman moments. Newman is another character in this season that is not really featured that heavily, but when he's on screen, he really takes advantage. And near the end, right here in this in this Keith Hernandez episode, is where you really start to get the the first inklings of Kramer and Newman being a one of a one of the best comedic pairings on the show. After Keith Hernandez, you have Dilemma, which I think is a little bit of a down episode. I'm not a huge fan of this episode. I know others are. It's just, it's, it's, it doesn't seem like a Seinfeld episode to me. I don't know. It honestly feels a little bit more of a Curb episode. Then you get The Good Samaritan, another probably average episode, but George carried here saying, God bless you to somebody else's significant other. The Letter is a... I think an above average episode with with Kramer carrying this episode and he's not even on screen for half of it it's just a portrait of him because at this point this is Kramer had become Kramer and he didn't even have to be on screen to be funny and then you have the parking space uh I, I think this is another above average episode pretty good um a bottle episode, really. All the characters contributing to one plot instead of all of them having individual plots and crossing over. Just an interesting, different take on a Seinfeld episode. And lastly, The Keys is a solid finish. I gave each episode a rating out of 10. And taking the average of those rankings, I get an average episode rating of 6.9. Now I will say if you take The Dog, which was my lowest rated episode at 2.8 out of that, it goes up to 7.1. My highest rated episode of the season at 9.1 was the fix-up, really classic episode of Seinfeld, and the only other episode reaching the 9.0 threshold was the alternate side, landing a 9.0 flat. A couple of the themes of this season, you can see where Jerry and Larry start to find their stride and they understand where the comedy is here with, these sh- with this show and these characters. 
and just episode wise in this season it's right around the alternate side episode 11 is where they again where they really start to hit these consistent strides of episodes with it the way where they at least have one really strong plot usually george or kramer along those same lines the crossovers at the end of the episodes follow that same trajectory where you'll have a couple of them at the beginning of the season but then you hit that inflection point right around the alternate side where everyone was involved in that crossover and then from then on out excluding possibly one or two episodes you have a crossover of some sort at the end might not be all four characters but you have a crossover clearly the mvp of this season has got to be george he was easily the most consistent character and brought the highest highs not too many lows for george if any at all and the last theme that really really shows up here in this season is the emergence of kramer the emergence of kramer is the theme i want to take a bit of a deep dive into this episode while this certainly isn't kramer's best season on the show think i would contend that it is his most important season of the show which could be said for season three in general about the whole series but season four i think could be argued for that as well before this season kramer had been more of a hide from that 70s show mellow conspiracy theory sticking it to the man, the government type of character. He brought a dose of weirdness to the show where it wasn't always hilarious, but it was always something different. And he he was an average character. Nothing special, but he brought something different. However, in this season, Larry and Michael Richards and Jerry discovered the side of Kramer, discovered a different side, they discovered a different side of Kramer where you put Kramer in these situations that you're putting George or Jerry or Elaine into, or you give Kramer real emotions. An angry Kramer is comedy gold. Kramer raising his voice, finding volume, was huge for the character of Kramer. Took him from an average character, just raising the volume of his voice, changing, raising the volume of his hair. Volume was all about just going all out with the character of Kramer. That's what they discovered this season. It just came pouring out of them, really. So this concept really begins in the episode The Dog, which I already said was my least favorite episode, but I guess an important one as we get our first glimpse into an angry Kramer. Look at you. Why don't you do something with your life? (laughs) Sit around here all day. You contribute nothing to society. You're just taking up space. I mean, how could I be with someone like you and respect myself? Clearly, the show stumbles upon something here as we don't even see the person Kramer's angry at. We just get a shot of Kramer yelling at, at a camera, essentially. And we also get one of our first instances of another running theme throughout the rest of the series is Kramer calling out other people, just plain hypocrisy from Kramer calling out other people for them being a drain on society. Then later in the same episode, we get another loud Kramer moment, but I wouldn't say angry, more of 
a vulnerable type Kramer moment. A 180 from from the earlier moment in the episode. Continuing on in the season, another great moment where Kramer has found this anger and coupling anger with the idea of Kramer taking the high road presents some fabulous moments. Here's one with Jerry, who had given Kramer the number to a girl he did not want to call again. And here's Kramer's response to Jerry's pleading. Come on, Kramer. Seriously, give me your number. I don't have it. I threw it out. You're lying. You've got it. I, I want that number. I told you I threw it out. Give it to me. But you told me not to give it to you. You made me promise. Well, I changed my mind. I want that number. No, you said no matter what you do or say, I'm not to give you the number. I was lying. Give it to me. Well, you told me not to. I want the number. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 Look at you. Look at what you sunk to. Look at what you've become. Look in the mirror. Because you need help, Jerry. You need help. Because I can't stand by and do it anymore. It's turning my stomach. I can't stand around here watching you destroy yourself. It's eating me up inside. I love that anything could eat Kramer up inside. Stepping away from just the idea of raising his volume... Kramer also inserts himself in these type of situations where he'll just hop into Jerry's world for a second and just insert chaos like this, insert some Kramerisms, and it just adds a new dynamic to the show. It really fills in those spots where you might have had a hilarious conversation between Larry and Jerry, and then you have a little bit of a slower two to five minutes in the show, but you can all of a sudden insert Kramer like this into it and... And all of a sudden, there's no down parts in the show. So continuing the theme of him being inserted into more like this, and the alternate side, he actually has his own, what I would call, real first Seinfeldian plot here, where he gets himself in a situation that George or Jerry would. You know, it's Woody Allen. Did I mention that? Yeah, we got it. We got it. (laughs) And I'm sitting there with Woody, and uh, I say, I turn to him, and I go, uh, boy, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Is that how you're going to say it? No, no, I'm working on it. This is really the start of Kramer injecting himself into the main plots of these episodes and showing that he can really carry an episode and be the star of the episode. And then on the flip side of that, he can also have these episodes where he doesn't have a leading plot, but he'll knock on the door, slide in, and and completely take over a scene. That is damn good scotch. <laughs> I gotta do a commercial for this stuff. Mmm. <laughs> Boy, that Hennigan goes down smooth. <laughs> and afterwards, you don't even smell. That's right, folks. I just had three shots of Hennigan's and I don't smell. <laughs> Imagine, you can walk around drunk all day. That's Hennigan's. No smell, no tell. Instant comedy right off the bench there, even if he's not involved in the episode so far. I compare this to a pinch hitter off the bench in baseball where you just need some kind of spark and all of a sudden here comes Kramer and he hits a home run. Say you got a big job interview and you're a little nervous? Well, throw back a couple of shots of Hennigan's and you'll be as loose as a goose and ready to roll in no time. And because it's odorless, why, it'll be our little secret. Continuing along, we have another instance 
as the season progresses of Kramer taking the high road on Jerry. What? Man, I never thought you were capable of this. What did I do? I just talked to Becky Gelke outside. She told me how you hit and ran. Ah! I don't even want to look at you anymore. All these years of friendship and you're, you're, you're nothing but a felon. You're an embarrassment to the building. I didn't do it. I just had to pay her to cover for somebody else. Oh, you're not going to lie to me, are you? No, never. All right. Well, glad we got that straightened out because I got a date with her. Although very similar to our earlier our earlier Kramer blow up at Jerry, here adds a, a little bit of a twist at the end where where we have the anger from Kramer as we had in the earlier one. But at the end, he flips all of a sudden and, oh, okay, he's good with it. He has a date with this girl. So just continuing to grow with this, not just not letting it get stale where it's just going to be Kramer yelling at Jerry to do something, but Kramer actually has his own motives to this. Kramer showing this emotion, it really actually does influence these other characters. It, whereas a passive Kramer before just got the characters kind of to be snarky or give a comment back to him, but, but an impassioned Kramer really spurs actions from these characters, especially Jerry. You know, Jerry sounds like a poet. Boy, no one's ever written me a letter like this. Maybe I was wrong about it. Get up. Go. Get in there and give her a call. Pick up the phone and call her. Should I? Yes, you're damn right you should. <laughs> Fight for her, Jerry. She's sure the hell fighting for you. All right. <laughs> I'll call her. And to end our journey here through the growth of Kramer, we have a self-aware Kramer moment. These aren't very often where he's honest, especially with himself. Well, he's always honest with other characters. He's never really uh, looking at himself. I ignored the squalor in my own life because I'm looking at life, you see, through Jerry's eyes. It's living in twilight, George. Living in the shadows, living in the darkness. Like you. Me? Oh, yeah. I can barely see you, George. All right, stop it, Kramer. You're freaking me out. And from here on out, we have the Kramer that we all know and love. While there's still some things to be ironed out and consistency to hit, next season he works out the little details of it, adds some more things, a cigar here, some other props there, the falling down, adding more of the physicality to it, and then from season five and out, he is prime Kramer. Let's end here. Let's end this segment with a fitting line that encapsulates the the end of the first stage of kramer you're not really gonna go to california are you up here i'm already gone and with that let's get into the awards portion of our presentation we're going to start with the best george plot of the season i had a this started as just a best plot award and then i realized that this is going to be a very george dominated season for these best plots with Kramer having a, with each of the other characters, maybe having an honorary mention, but it really just came down to George had easily the best, the top five plots in the season. So let's get to the first one. Very first episode of the season, George and his massage. Man gave me a massage. <laughs> so? So he, he was uh, touching and rubbing. <laughs> That's a massage. And then I took my pants off. You took your pants off? For my hamstring. Oh. He got about uh, two inches from there. Really? I think it moved. 
This is a great example of them discovering what really works in the show while we're focusing really on this small detail of a man giving massage to George. And this is this gives me an example of how this would compare. If they did this in, in, a, in a later season, and if they did this in a later season, they instead of showing George getting a massage, they would have just started with George and Jerry having this conversation, which really became a cornerstone of the show, these great conversation between George and Jerry. And then they would have had, and in, in while saving the time of actually showing George getting the massage, they would input a Kramer or a Lane plot. Our next George plot that came up short of winning the best, but one of the better plots of the season is George being stuck with the art of Jerry's girlfriend. This is a great example of George getting caught in a situation he does not want to be in and coupling that with his extreme cheapness. Hey, I'm not obligated to buy anything. Not too expensive, is it? Not if you have a lot of money. Hundred dollars? What? That's what she told me. I'm not paying $500 for this. It's a piece of junk. I really like this George plot as it's a situation he really just walks himself right into and is punished for over and over. Going through this season, George has a lot of flexibility. Here's a completely different situation George gets himself into with the cleaning lady at work. I'm going to get right to the point. Uh, it's come to my attention that you and the cleaning woman have engaged in sexual intercourse on the desk in your office. Is that correct? Who said that? She did. Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? I tell you, I gotta plead ignorance on this thing. This brings us to a toss-up for what I thought was the best plot of the season. I think it was a tie between George trying to trick the unemployment office by telling them that uh, the phone number to who he's applying for Vandalay Industries is Jerry's phone number. That's just a fantastic George trying to get one over on somebody plot. But because this one it was more of a, it didn't have great audio to accompany it. It was more of a, the climax is more of a visual of George running out of the bathroom with his pants down. We're going to have to give the winner to the best George plot of the season to the fix-up where George is fixed up with Elaine's friend, and I'm going to play a series of clips here of, ha of the progression of George in this episode. See, I don't get that. We had a relaxed, stimulating, great conversation. She doesn't mention it. Why doesn't she mention it? What? She could have mentioned the conversation. All right, all right. I'll go on the date, but that's that. So George proceeds to go on the date with Elaine's friend and recaps to Jerry how he felt it went. I was smart. That was funny. I, I made great small talk with the waitress so she could see I could relate to the commoners. You know, I'm a man of the people. And finally... The episode and this plot climaxing when George finds out how successful his date really was. Oh my god. I can't believe it. I'm a father. I did it. My boys can swim. I can do it. A classic George plot here and a great crossover with 
all the characters, but I especially love Kramer injecting some chaos into this episode with the the cheap condoms he brings along and George being cheap enough to take one from Kramer. Because George has many of these fix-up type plots throughout the series, I think this one might get lost, lost in the mix a bit. But this is really the first one that really shines through and I would put up against any of the other George plots in general, not just the fix-up ones throughout the rest of the series. And that will move us to our next award, which is the best one-liners. However, this is going to be another character-specific award as as Jerry really shines in this category, as George did with the best plots. Jerry really owns most of the best one-liners in this season. Let's start with our first one. comes in the very first episode, and comes about because of George's massage from his male from his male massage therapist. Contact is the test. If it moves as a result of contact. I think it's contact? <laughs> it has to be touched. That's what a gym teacher once told me. Our next one-liner comes about from a great Jerry plot of him and Elaine trying to get his car, his trying to get his rental car he reserved and them not having the reservation. Unfortunately, we ran out of cars. But the reservation keeps the car here. That's why you have the reservations. I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. And Angry Jerry is usually funny, and we don't usually get to see it that much, or at least a well-acted Angry Jerry. Our next couple clips come from Jerry taking shots at George, which are usually pretty good shots and are usually well-deserved. Yeah, they're having a little fling, so don't say anything to anyone. Who am I going to tell, my mother? I got nothing better to talk about. You don't. Here's another shot at George, playing on a running joke that George is Biff from Death of a Salesman. He's a real smart guy, too. He's a Civil War buff. I'd love to be a Civil War buff. What do you have to do to become a buff? So Biff wants to be a buff. Well, sleeping less than 18 hours a day would be a start. And easily Jerry's best one-liner of the season and possibly the series, and honestly, one of my favorite lines in anything. You'd really like him. Why do people always say that? I hate everybody. Why would I like him? The most relatable line in television history. Before we move on to the next award, I do want to give a shout out to a couple of other one-liners from our other characters. We'll start with a good one from Elaine. Boys are sick. But what do girls do? We just tease someone till they develop an eating disorder. Elaine has not hit her stride yet in this season, but this is definitely the beginnings of of what Elaine turns into. Our next line comes from Kramer talking about the library Dewey Decimal System. The Dewey Decimal System. What a scam that was. And our last two one-liners come about from George comparing power and his relationship to having hand. Jerry, let me tell you something. A man without hand is not a man. <laughs> I've got so much hand, I'm coming out of my gloves. This, of course, does not go the way George thinks it will go. You can't break up with me. I've got hand. And you're gonna need it. The next award we'll get to is the best low-key character of the season, so outside of the main four. And our first one comes from the episode, The Library, where we have Detective Bookman. I've seen your type before, flashy, making a scene, flaunting convention. 
Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Is this guy making such a big stink about all library books? Well, let me give you a hint, Junior. Maybe we can live without libraries, people like you and me. Maybe. Sure, we're too old to change the world. But what about that kid sitting down, opening a book right now in a branch of the local library and finding drawings of peepees and wee-wees? Bookman really brings a nice change of tone, although he can keep up with the speed of the show for sure. It's just a very different kind of character for this for this show. The other standout low-key character is the captain of the polar bear club that Kramer brings to the intervention in the episode, and he really has two shining moments. Here's the first one. Hey, these are some of my polar bear buddies. They can't stay. You're having a party here? No, we're having an intervention. An intervention? Who's intervening? He's a friend of ours on drugs, and we're going to confront him. Oh, sure. We used to do that when one of our polar bears stopped coming. We'd go to his house. What, you don't want to be a polar bear anymore? It's too cold for you. A fantastic line from Mr. Polar Bear. And he follows it up with, might be an even better observation sitting on the couch with Elaine. The male kangaroo doesn't have a pouch. Only the female has it. So the male has pouch envy. Why should she have this huge pouch and I have nothing? I have things to carry too. At least, at least give me a pocket. <laughs> Easily one of the best one-off characters in the entire show, if not the best. And that is all of the awards I have for this episode. To wrap up, I want to, first of all, play a couple of really great Larryisms that you can just tell came from the pit of Larry David's soul. Here's the first one. Cologne. Why is what I do so important? Why must I always be the focal point of attention? Let me just be. Let me live. And our other Larryism here, George expressing his thoughts on girls' selection process for men. He thinks I'm a nice guy. Women always think I'm nice, but women don't want nice. Why is nice bad? What kind of a sick society are we living in when nice is bad? And that will bring us to the final clip of the show. Here, another Larryism, but also the best George and Jerry conversation we have in the entire season. What does she look like? She's good looking. How good looking? Very good looking. Really good looking? Really very good looking. Would you take her out? Yes, I would take her out. Oh, you hesitate. Why hesitate? I didn't hesitate. Something's off here, you hesitate. I'm telling you, she's good looking. What about the body? What kind of body? Good body, nice body. How nice? Nice. Just nice? Pretty nice. Really good? Really very nice and good. What about personality? personality. Funny! Bright. Smarter than me? I don't want anyone smarter than me. What kind of hair? You know, long, dark hair. Flowing? (laughs) Flowing? Is it flowing? I like flowing, cascading hair. Thick, lustrous hair is very important to me. Thick, lustrous hair is very important to me, is that what you say? Yeah, that's right. Just clarify. If you stick your hand in the hair, Is it easy to get it out? Do you want to be able to get it out, or do you want to not be able to get it out? I'd like to be able to get it out. I think you'll get it out. What about the skin? I need a good cheek. I like a good cheek. She's got a fine cheek. Is there a pinkish hue? A pinkish hue? Yes, a a rosy glow. There's a hue. You've got great eyebrows. Women killed to have her eyebrows. 
cares about either? Definitely, I feel the best exchange and scene of the season. One last thought on season three. This is a really good season of television. I would give it a about a seven out of ten, I think, for rewatchability and bingeability. Is I'd put this one around seven to seven point five. Similar to its overall rating, just because you do have those streaks of episodes that are really pretty good, solid streak episodes where you don't want to put it down. But then you'll have one every now and then where it's just like, eh, not so good, and it doesn't compel you to watch the next one. In the whole scheme of the series, this is a good season of Seinfeld. However, I do not think I would put it in with the golden age of the show, just because it lacks the consistency of some of the later seasons. However, this is a really interesting season of the show to watch from start to finish, as you can really see the growth of not only in the individual characters, but the show as a whole with certain things, such as the crossover of the different characters and their plots coming together at the end. Many of the ideas and themes of this season permeate their way throughout the rest of the seasons of the show and really lay the foundations for the characters and their interactions going forward. That will do it for season three of Seinfeld. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you have any recommendations, please feel free to email me or put them up on the Talkin' TV subreddit. This has been Talkin' TV.